Coming up on today's episode, we break down the start of Jets training camp, including the new look lines and comments from Hello Buck and Shafley on their futures. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, time to dive on in because the boys are back on the ice and life is good. Welcome back. Let's get right into it here. Training camp is underway. Comments, line combos, future, present, it's all here and we'll get into it. To wrap up the week before we get, well, now that training camp's underway, preseason and actual game action isn't too far away. So plenty to get into, and doing so with me once again, co-host and CJOB's own, East St. Paul's own, Tyson Rewicki. How we doing today, Tyson? That's funny. That's funny you say that, because earlier today, we had like a, there was a Knickers and Kickers event for a slow mission at Kildonan Place. And uh, Kelly was doing some hits. Kelly Moore, the great Kelly Moore, was doing some hits live, and that's almost exactly how he introduced, how he like talked. What he was saying, like, "Oh, I'm I'm here," like, "Cause, like, can you hear me?" He said like almost the exact same thing you just did. So I just got, I just had some major deja vu there. I I was should I should I try to do a Kelly Moore impression? No, I can't. <laughs> no, I, I think it's physically impossible for my. Like the octaves and like the, I don't know how the throat maybe, works. Maybe maybe like, the maybe the best radio voice in Canada on 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 in the galaxy. I would <laughs> it's, argue it's true. Oh, I'm really more. No, I can't do it. Yeah, it's perfect. He's perfect. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll give it over. Yeah, I, I, good thing Kelly doesn't listen to this, or else he'd be like, just dude, shut up. Although I also don't think he's ever said dude before in his life. But oh. I do digress. Um. <laughs> Well, that's good. And you are from East St. Paul, so I mean, yeah, I don't know. This is true. It's, it's, that's factually correct. Yeah, that's that's why I went with it. Um, <laughs> lots to get to. Uh, but you did do a little bit of work for us here. And at least I think we'll keep this going up until the regular season. Maybe, you know, Once we get into the actual games, we'll, we'll see if we dial this back a little bit. But uh, let's get some trivia out of the way, Tice. Yeah, let's, let's get it done. And it was really hard to find any kind of trivia for like the start of training camp. So I just, and there's no training camp based trivia. What? Well, we wait, I wasted the professional tryouts one, like a couple of a month ago to save that. But so it's not topical, but we're going to go with goalies taken in the first round of the draft. And (laughs) there's, I was telling you some of the names earlier. There is some no name guys who have been like Tom McCollum. Don't know who that is, really. I don't even Helenu. I think I believe his name is Riku Helenu. Now they I mean, want. Yeah, these aren't people. Taro Sijimoto. Like I mean, what? <laughs> come on. But we're gonna start in 2004. And the New York Rangers had the sixth overall selection. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't even say anymore because that's the immortal Dan Blackburn. Ooh, that is incorrect, actually. What? Oh, no, that was El Montoya. No, yeah. wait, wait, time out. 
Yeah, Al Montoya, former Jets. Blackbird, Blackbird was a little bit early. He was early 2000. I think he, he was a, like a top five pick too, but yeah, that's right, yeah. He sneaks into our next answer. Interesting. Our next question. And it's, we're going back to 2001. And Dan Blackburn was the 10th goalie, or 10th player selected, actually. 10th overall. Two blockers. I mean, I wish he could have. I mean, it's a shame that his career went that way but it would have been really cool to see a guy you know like make it work with two blockers like that would that would have been awesome it's just he never had a chance but there was actually a goalie taken before dan blackburn eighth overall by the columbus blue jackets in 01 yep i mean the only the only guy I I didn't think he was a first round pick. I thought he was a little bit later, but Pascal Leclerc. That's correct. Eighth yeah. overall. I know. I was. I couldn't believe that he was that early. Yeah, he was. He was a good goalie. Just couldn't. He was like DPH or just couldn't. Couldn't be. Couldn't be healthy. Yeah, like, that's like, too that's bad. Of, at least like with DPH, it's like the hips sort of thing. Like it's always a shame when it's you know kind of like it's a a blunt force hitting you instead of like an actual injury you know what i mean but you know, not really so far i kind of thought that you would get these first two i'll give you the al Montoya after saying dan blackburn that's like that's like extra credit the fact yeah, that i nab both of them this one i think might be a little tough this was like the the one that was right on the edge of where you know i don't think you're gonna get it but you might the phoenix coyotes Oh, no, this isn't good. <laughs> In 2010, with the 27th overall pick selected a goalie. Can you tell me which one? Okay. So 2010, Coyotes, 27. Yeah. I can give you a hint, too, that, that will probably help you get it if, you, if you're struggling. Uh, let's see here. Coyotes... 2010. So I'm, I'm trying to think like World Juniors. So like 2012. Canada. Not the World Juniors. Just, yeah. Mark Byzantine? Yeah. Mark Byzantine. <laughs> I, mean, I thought he was going to be so good too. Oh, I think every I think every team Canada goalie is going to be amazing. I know. That's my that's my fatal flaw when it comes to like prospects. Malcolm Subban too. Zach Fucali. I like oh, Zach Fucali is the next one. I think he played like five games in the NHL. Oh, I mean, and, and who could forget Justin Pogge as well, right? Oh. Uh, I'm sure Leafs fans might want to forget that. Mr. Um, Pogge. Yeah, choosing choosing Justin Pogge over Tuka Rask certainly had a bit of a ripple effect for the Leafs and Bruins. Things could have been slightly different. Uh, yeah, oh well, suck at Toronto. All right, well, better luck next time, Tyson. You should have went with Tom McCollum because I, I I still don't believe that that's an actual <laughs> an actual hockey player. Um, I did actually play for a number of years with a first-round pick goalie. Oh, yeah. And people in Winnipeg would obviously know the Pickards very well. Um, but, yeah, back with the, what were they, Fort Gary, Fort Gary Flyers, I think they were? There was, yeah, Chet Pickard. There was uh, Colin Wilson, um, American. the Shapper twins, uh, Gregoire as well. Was it? There was like they like had there was like ten NHL players on that team. It was just it was not fun. It was it was not enjoyable. Those games weren't too good, but 
I did score on him a couple times, so. Beat a first rounder. Clean. Did he sell the puck? And, and and by clean, I mean it was like on the goal line and I tapped it in and no one was watching. <laughs> Driving the net. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The only, yeah. That's how most of the goals went. The, a scramble and everybody loses the puck and then I like kick it in. <laughs> oh. Don't ask how. They ask how many. That's good they don't ask how because <laughs> they were bad. They were all very, very bad. Um, sure, it was a little bit different at trading camp for the Winnipeg Jets in terms of the quality of both goals and saves. Uh, but either way, we saw some for the first time in a long time. The Jets were back on the ice. It was uh, Team Newmanen and team, or Group Newmanen, Group Solani, however you want to call it. And... Um, yeah, pretty interesting, newsworthy day from from the Jets. Um, I, I guess we should start, Tyson, I, probably with the... Well, do you want to do line combos first, or should we talk about the the comments from... Let's do line, let's do line combos first. I mean, not really a ton of surprise. There were some inklings once the rosters were released. You kind of got a sense of where the Jets were going with this. Um, but the top line for the Winnipeg Jets going into the season appears to be Mark Shifley centering Kyle Connor and Gabe Velarde coming into the Dubois trade gets first line right wing duties. Cole Perfetti will be the man to get first crack at two C with Nikolai Ehlers and Nino Niederreiter, a third line of Lowry Appleton and I follow. And then the fourth line of Rasmus Kupari, Morgan Barron and Vlad Nemesnikov. What do we think, Tice? We feeling good about this? Yeah. <laughs> I like the way that the lines look actually. Like it's it's nice and balanced. There's it's a it's a very solid forward core. Like it's kind of, it's a, it's like Seattle's with a little more star power. You know what I mean? Like it's they've got like that solid depth and even there's there's I forget exactly who tweeted this out, but they were saying that the fourth line of Vladimir Mesnikov Rasmus Kupari and Morgan Barron were given the top line some troubles in training and in some of the battles. And it's one practice, so you can't look too much into it. But Ooh, I don't like hearing that, Tyson. <laughs> but <laughs> because it, that top line is going to be played a little bit more than the fourth line. Right. But it, it gives you a little it instills a little bit of hope knowing that you're going to have some very competitive lines. Like no matter what line's going out there, they're going to be able to compete against who they're playing against. And I think that's a, a huge part of getting into training camp and building things and then obviously like it's the first session of training camp like we could go into game two of the preseason and the lines are all in a blender already like it's yeah I, I i i'm not buying that i think i think this is people always say that and, and like you know in the case of like morrissey pairing up with salmonson like obviously that's not going to be the case the D pairs are more like that than the Ford group for sure. Yeah, it's a little, and it's different too because, like, I mean, Morrissey Demello is going to be the top pair. They play with each other enough. There's no real need to have them again side by side in training camp. But like, camp itself is only what, like, seven to ten days before the first preseason game, if that. Preseason is only a couple of weeks long. There's no time. <laughs> like, the, the, what what we see right now is what people always say. Oh, there's camp battles and this and that no what has there ever been a camp battle what happened like this is what's gonna be going into the season maybe like there's a battle for the 13th forward and the seventh and eighth defense you know what i mean but coaches have no time 
really once Cam gets going to to tinker and do different things. And I I just think, look, these are the lines. We got to go with them. We got to give them as many reps as possible here, and we got to be ready for game one of the season. And I mean, look, all four lines for the Jets are different. So you kind of need them to get as many reps in both in camp and practice and then in preseason games as possible to make sure they're up and ready to go by the time the season starts. Um, I, 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 I like them too. It wasn't the way that I had my line set up. You know, I think we, I don't know if we both did, but I had the, um, you know, let, let's load up the top line with Shifley, Ehlers, and Connor. And I kind of wonder now with the way the Jets are going at things is if that's like a, in case of emergency, break glass here sort of a line that like if the team is struggling the goals aren't coming it's like okay we can go to that knowing that it's probably going to work out pretty well for us so i i kind of wonder if that's the mindset from from the coaching staff with with how they're going about these lines um but even though i have my doubts about him being a full-time center at the nhl level i absolutely love the way the jets are giving Cole Perfetti every possible chance to succeed down the middle there, where you put him with a guy that can carry his own line in Nikolai Ehlers, and then the ultimate pros pro in in, in El Nino. Like, that's about as insulated as a second-line center is going to get in the NHL. So I, I love that they're, one, giving him the opportunity, but then, two, putting him in a position to succeed right out of the gate. And I think that, you know, If he fails or not, the Jets are doing everything they can to give this young guy a chance to succeed. And I I love, love the way that they're going about that. Is it going to work out long term? That will be the question. But it's uh, it's certainly setting up for him to have a ton of success right out of the gate. And I think that is the most impactful position on this entire roster heading into the regular season. Yeah, and and Bones said it really well, too, when he was talking to the media, when he said that, the you know the management and this is it's nice to see this level of communication too from the upper management to the coach right because you a lot of people would think that that's you know like that should always happen with every team but to to your surprise it doesn't there there are some teams where the coach and gm are not on the same page at all and it's nice to see because but what bone said was that perfetti was drafted as a center we're gonna play him as a center first and see how he see how he does. You know, that's when we drafted him. Our whole intention was that he was gonna be one of our top two centers for the next fifteen years. So you could, you know, you could, the only way to find out is play him there. And I think it could help. I mean, he's apparently he's added a ton of muscle too. He's really bulked up this off season. And I just think too that taking him away from the wing also takes him away from some of those board battles. I, You know what? That's so fun. I was thinking that even though I have my doubts that he can... Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how he does physically down the middle. But I did kind of wonder that where some of the hits he takes are right up along the boards there. And that's mitigated a little bit by being in the middle. I mean, there's yeah. still a chance down low. But right. wingers do get crunched along the boards a little bit more. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So I think that's going to help him too massively. And I, I thought that I think my lines were just that I had um, Nino and Velarde switched, but I mean, hey, like this is like you said, you're insulating them, you're you're giving them every opportunity to, to succeed as a center in the NHL. And while Nikolai Ehlers was slated to be the winner there, he's not pr- practicing tomorrow or on Friday with neck spasms already, 
And they believe that it happened when he was working out on, I believe, Wednesday. And then it sort of flared up a little bit more on Thursday. So, I mean, it's it's probably nothing. But like, we, we, you and me were texting earlier. And it's like, come on, man. Like, yeah. Make it a game. Yeah, like it's <laughs> probably like I don't want to do another day at camp, but at the same time, like, can you can you not? <laughs> like, can, can you just be healthy, please? We don't we don't need another, you know, multi week absence before October's even hit the calendar. So I, I will we'll see what I mean. Maybe, maybe they got bag skates tomorrow, and it's like ooh ooh ooh. That's a yeah big time. That's a big time. <laughs> that's a big time nod the neck there. I, I should probably take a day or two off, coach, just to make sure, right? <laughs> I mean, he's also almost—he's he's getting his late twenties, and as somebody in their in their thirties, I mean, you you look at a pillow the wrong way, and your neck might spasm for a couple of weeks. So I, yeah, maybe he's just getting older. I don't know. I don't think it's anything too serious, but yeah, we we could do without that. There's no doubt about that. Um, with the top line, Tice, what I like about the mixture of Shifley, Connor, and and Velarde is the defensive conscience on that line is the youngest player on that line. <laughs> But I, I mean, I'm intrigued to see how it works out because all all three of these guys have tremendous shots. Yeah, and you could argue that that's their each of their best weapons offensively. So we'll see how that plays out in the offensive zone. Are they able to read off each other good? I, I'm intrigued to see what happens there. But I mean, Velarde played with some pretty good players on the right wing down the stretch in LA, and you know. Things worked out just fine for him there. So I imagine it works out. Um, but we'll see who ends up being, you know, if, if it is Connor as the main trigger man or is it kind of shared a little bit around the three players? Uh, I'm intrigued to see intrigued to see what the growing pains might be offensively with those cats. That's that's the one thing that worries me though, when you have three shooters on a line, is that sometimes all three of those guys try to be the passer. I know, yeah. You know what I mean? Like where it's where it's like, oh well. This guy's got a good shot, and this guy's got a good shot, so I got to set them up. And it's all three of those guys are thinking the exact same thing. I mean, like they're going to score goals, obviously, as a line. It's just you know, it, fans always get upset when the extra pass gets made, and sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. But it's you might maybe there's going to be some shifts where you're thinking that, where it's like just shoot the damn puck with your guys' shots, just shoot it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it might take might take a couple of weeks before they get everything figured out there. But I think a lot of people are excited about the top six, and we'll see how it plays out. Third line looks great. I mean, and, and the fourth line, like you said there, Tice, giving the top line a bit of trouble today. Again, the Jets kind of slowly have been improving that fourth line spot for a number of seasons now. And this might might be the most offensively potent fourth line we've seen out of the team. I mean, what? four or five years, something like that. Like there's, there's some legit offensive pop up and down the lineup. And I mean, for the first time in a long time too, the jets have options to, to kind of throw guys up and down the lineup to see if they can fit. I mean, even Nino on the third line, that third line was a, a beast for the jets down the stretch last year. That's an option too. And maybe I gets a call up for a little bit in the top six, but um, early returns. I think people are pretty happy with the way the forward lines are shaking up and um, yeah, not, not too much really, Changing on the back end, Sandberg with Pionk was maybe the most notable pairing of the day with Morrissey and DeMello splitting duties with some youngsters there. Uh, so it looks like that is going to be the second pair to start off the year. And Dylan and Schmidt as your third pair. And uh, we'll see how the logjam plays out after that. 
Uh, but that'll be a problem for us to worry about as uh, camp and preseason continues to wind down there. So that was pretty much it from the on-ice portions, Tyson. Maybe even more newsworthy items coming once the players and coaches and GM step to the mic afterwards, off-ice. Uh, let's start with, I mean, probably the biggest one, the first time that Shifley and Hellebuck speak publicly before the season starts and following an off-season full of trade rumors and inactivity. And, I mean, no real surprises from either of them, or at least no bombs dropped, which is nice, but both kind of towing the company line to an extent, saying, open to something, not putting my name to paper just yet, let's see how things play out. But I think you had kind of an interesting take about Hellebuck's comments specifically. Yeah, like, I I might be out to lunch on this too, but listening to that, I don't think he's staying. Like, I don't get, I don't get a sense that he really wants to stay. And, or I shouldn't say that. Yeah. Like, want, yeah. Explain. Yeah. He, he, he might want to stay. And cause he always has just been saying that his number one priority is winning a Stanley cup, winning a Stanley cup. And I just don't think that this team can win a Stanley cup this year. Like I just don't with the way the defense is constructed. I don't mind the forward core, but you're kind of, it's really similar to the, the same team from last year really you know it's just wheeler and dubois got in obviously it's top two top six fixtures for a while but those are the only two players that really switched yeah you like you swapped wheeler and dubois for velarde and Ayafalo. yeah and does that make your team better than it does last year that's what i'm and i i'm just i'm trying to look at this big picture here i just don't see the jets in a situation where they're overwhelmingly Hey, we got a good thing going here, like for the, at least the next two years, where we can really win a Stanley Cup with this group. I just don't see it, and I'm I, what worries me is that we we get too far into the season, and then you're kind of got your hands tied. You don't you don't really know what to do, and you have got a guy who's might just walk for nothing. It it re, like this whole situation really worries me, and the only thing that that kind of keeps me back from the ledge is that they went out they tried to trade Hellebuck this offseason and they tried to, they let him negotiate some contracts with some potential teams that he was going to, going to go to. And he really didn't like the offers. And when it, yeah, like Chevy didn't like the offers and Hellebuck didn't like the contracts being thrown his way. Yeah. And, and Chevy could be saying to Hellebuck, Hey, you want nine and a half, 10 million. You got it here. And that's that's the only thing keeping me from the ledge, but it's it's this really worries me because in my opinion, right now at best, because without a doubt, you you can't look at me and say that Colorado and Dallas aren't going to finish above the Jets in the standings. You could say that about any other team in the in the Central, but those two teams, no way. So at that point, you're saying that look, we're the third seed in the Central, and we're playing either Colorado or Dallas in the first round, and I don't like their chances in, in a series like that. So I, I don't know. It's, it, this whole the way this is all going to play out is going to be interesting to see how and you know if the Jets start strong and Hellebuck could sign in December. Could, he could sign a long term extension in December for all we know. But I am very worried. That's my take. Yeah, yeah. I, I I wouldn't say you're out to lunch, but I would say you're out to brunch maybe a little bit there. <laughs> buffet yeah like yeah like you're not you we're not talking about like sandwich and a soup but like you're you're at the omelet station <laughs> i i, I kind of like and i do get what you're saying there as well 
like I, I didn't get the sense from Hellebuck, I guess why I think you're out to brunch is that I didn't get the sense that Hellebuck is, you know, one foot out the door there, right? Like he, I, I do still legitimately believe that there's a chance that he signs here in Winnipeg. And I think if the Jets offered him a fair contract and the team played good, that he'd be back here in Winnipeg next year. But when you kind of throw the caveat out there that like, well, I don't think the Jets are a cup contending team. And if Hellebuck only wants to win a Stanley Cup, then why would he sign here? Logically, that that kind of adds up pretty quickly. So like, I, I get I get where you're coming at there. No, no doubt about it. I mean, there is the chance. That, I mean, look, the Jets last year, first in the West, first in the division, headed into the new year. You know what I mean? How they like it wasn't. It didn't. It didn't end up that way. But like, is is there not a chance? Maybe the Jets come out of the gate hot, and Hellebuck's like, maybe we do got a chance. And if they pay me ten mil a year, you know what I mean? I'm not saying like it's the. It, I'm just trying to like look at this from all angles here, where a player might talk themselves into thinking. If they're going to pay me the most and our team's looking good right now, maybe I do sign this and, and see where things go after that. But what, what position does that put you in if you end the year similarly, right? Like, what do you do then? All of a sudden you're paying a goalie $10 million and your team's really not that good. And, and oh, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's necessarily the smartest thing in the world. I'm just saying like from Hellebuck's perspective. I could I could see an avenue where he might like legitimately be open to signing here. The team starts off well and he signs. Yeah. I, I think I think it can be similar to the Lad Bufflin situation the Jets found themselves in a couple years back. Now the main difference and something that I did not anticipate because that was part of my my bold predictions. Tyson was Lad Bufflin 2.0, where the Jets sign one and trade one. I already want to walk that one back because if you listen to Chevy's comments and whether you like it or not, they're in it to win it in their minds. Like this is not, they, they legitimately think they're a cup contender. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, from, from those comments, I, that's what I took from it is that they think that they're a cup contender. Um, I don't know if I would go. Th- I don't. I don't think they're that delusional. What I do think they think is that their team is probably. I think. I think the Jets management ownership group think their team is a borderline top ten team, and that if they get into the playoffs, they can make some noise if things go right. Like I, I, I can't imagine they think they're as good as Colorado, Tampa Bay, Boston. From you know what I mean? Like I. But regardless of that, the Jets are not going to be sellers at the deadline if they're within a couple of points of a playoff spot. If they're in a playoff spot and Shifley and Hellebuck are unsigned, they are not going to move those guys. There's just no way. The only way they trade either or both of them is if a nightmare season happens and they're like 10 points out of a playoff spot by the time the deadline comes around. That's the only so unless you think something like that's gonna happen, I don't think they are moving either Shifley or Hellebuck. And I think there is a very if I had to bed right now, I would one thousand percent say the Jets hold on to both of them, risk losing them for nothing, as opposed to getting assets for them at the trade deadline. 
I just do not envision a scenario where that happens if the Jets are within sniffing distance of a playoff spot. I think that is highly reckless, but I think the team has made it very clear what their mindset is right now. Yeah, I I mean, you hit it on the head there, and I agree with you that the more this we hear from them, the less I think they're getting moved at all in in a trade. And that that is what really worries me is that the whole like I'm just looking I want to look big picture here like I want to I want if I'm building a team I want my team to be good for years and years to come I don't want my team to be good for two years or three years I want them to be good like I want to be a good organization and to me just playing that kind of recklessness with Hellebuck and Shifley if things if even if you're in if you're around the playoff spot and the season goes on, you don't trade them, you miss the playoffs, those guys are gone for nothing, and you are at square one. You're completely yeah. at square one with no, <laughs> with really no assets, or not no assets, but you have, you're starting to rebuild from scratch. Yeah, with, without the additional assets you could have yeah. got, right? Like, I, if, if the Jets miss the playoffs and they both walk for nothing, that is... You don't even have to think of that's a fireable offense. That's it's clean. Uh, I mean, it's clean. yeah. That's <laughs> it's wild that that could actually be a possibility for this team. But I mean, that would just be so catastrophic. And I, I don't if if I at any point here, well, you get the cap space from letting them go. That is just loser talk. Yeah, loser talk. That you get, hey, we get six million dollars, but we lost our number one center for nothing. Like, no, no, that's terrible. Yeah, my my big worry now isn't that the Jets necessarily miss the playoffs. It's that the Jets are poised to do a Columbus Blue Jackets a la 2019. And for those that might have forgotten, they get aggressive near the trade deadline. They bring in Matt Duchesne. They go for broke. We got a bunch of UFAs. We don't care. We want playoffs. We're going to make it happen. We get an all-time playoff upset, which is great, but then we're out in round two, and the franchise gets set back six years. Yep, look at them now. Like, Like they're just now... Yeah, let's take the coaching stuff out of it. (laughs) But, like, they're just entering, like... This is, like, stage one of them trying to exit the rebuild. Yeah. Not, like, not the rebuild's over. It's, I think, for for Columbus, it's like, if we can be competitive this year with our young guys, that's a good spot. Like, they're probably two years away from actually being playoff contenders even, right? Yeah. So like, that's the danger here is that you lose these guys for nothing and you try to bank, you know, you try to bet it all on a maybe unlikely playoff run with this group. It is a franchise altering decision. We'll see what happens, man, but that is quite a lot to bet on. And thankfully, there's a little bit of runway to go before that happens. But man, oh man, are they like at both ends of the spectrum? There is a lot at stake if you try to play chicken right down the stretch, down to game 82, and then down to the playoffs with Hellebuck and Shifley potentially unsigned. And you want to talk franchise altering, like take out, like those two guys are gone. And you want to talk about butterfly effect. Those two guys leave. What do you think about Ehlers the year after as free agent? Kyle Connor two years after that as a free agent like that this is where it gets you need you really need to to put 
your stamp on the franchise. And and if you want to go all in, you better assume that you can retain at least a couple of those guys that you're bringing in outside of the roster that you currently have. Because and and you say this all the time, like trade for guys with term. Stop stop trading for rentals. Like let's trade for guys with term. You if you're if that's your plan is that we are going to compete for the Stanley Cup this this season and we're gonna pull a Columbus like situation, there better be some fallbacks in place. Because I'm I'm not I'm to me the, the last couple of years have just shown that there's not a lot of real forward thinking into the future. Because two years ago we were talking about a lot of the same problems with the team with Shifley and Wheeler, and Wheeler's just gone now. Like you can't be reacting two years late to to these sort of things. Like you need to have some foresight, and that's what concerns me is that I just feel like there's not a whole lot of foresight right now. Like there's no long term plan in place, right? It's just- evidenced by the fact that you tried to trade Hellebuck, and by all accounts Shifley as well. And now it's, well, we're trying to win, and yeah, we might want to re-sign them. But we might trade them as well. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, ugh, you know, we started off the episode on a high, Tyson. This is, I, I, I like where we ended up here. This is like, this is like a, not a midlife crisis. I'm having like an existential crisis right now. Like, ugh, there's a lot at stake here. Hopefully the season goes well. We'll figure it out after that. Um, Cole Perfetti's at second line center, though. That's pretty cool, right? Oh, oh yeah. Well, and even okay. the D pairs, too. We didn't really talk about the D pairs, but Morrissey with Solomonson, love that. Even though, like, it's, you know, these, like, Bonus had mentioned that there were eight guys that they really are going to take a look at when it comes for the for training camp. And so I would assume that's the top six as it, as it ended last year and then add on Chisholm and Morrissey. Or, sorry, not Morrissey, Chisholm and Hainola and Stanley, I guess. So not, maybe eight, nine defensemen. So those guys, most like, like I mentioned, Salamonson was with Morrissey. Um, Tyrell Bauer was with Brendan Dillon, which is something I didn't really expect. It's that, I thought that was very interesting. Uh, Chisholm was with Schmidt, I believe. And Sandberg was with Pionk. And so, you know, like that, that's more of the not, that's kind of letting those guys play with some veterans and getting used to the NHL pace a little bit, I think. And they're, first training camps oh yeah those those pairs are gonna get switched up a little bit like tyrell bauer i like him as a player i he's not sniffing the roster this year no 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 and i don't think the jets are trying that they've always done this where it's get a youngster with a vet at training camp for the first little bit and maybe they even get a preseason game together and you get one game in and then everybody goes to their different leagues after that but the i could i know this the talking with Huss today the team love Salmonson. Yeah. Like love like they they think they they think they hit a big big time home run with that second round pick. And that's somebody that Jets fans are going to have to keep an eye on overseas this off season or during this season, sorry, because it it's going to be sooner than later before he makes a bit at the NHL level. And uh it'll be intriguing to see how his development goes. I mean, as a teenager already playing big minutes in a in a pro league with men over there. Uh, I hope I, I would love to see Morrissey Salmonson get the first like whatever the first game is with those two together just to see how he looks out there with a guy like Josh beside him. But yeah, he is he is going to be a player for this team, no doubt about that. He was one of the standouts for the Young Stars tournament. Him, him and Chibrikov are the two guys who I thought really yeah. stood out. 
Yeah, it'd be cool to see Chibrikov get a chance. Colby Barlow signs his ELC. Three years for an 18-year-old? I don't know about that. That might be giving a little bit too much. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He hasn't even played a game yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Three years? He hasn't even... Come on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's always the fun part with the, the first few games of the preseason is some of these youngsters come in, step up. One or two of them have a big game, and then we can all lose our minds about how they should be on the roster this year. Oh, yeah. Then, then you know, normalcy hits in after that. But I'm excited to lose my mind, and I, it might be about Salmonson. So looking forward to that. All right, we turn it around. That's good. I was glad there. I didn't like the way the vi- it was a roller coaster down there. But And New Jersey's this weekend, too. Saturday. Saturday, late, uh, late morning, early afternoon. I'm intrigued to see what the announcement is there. I mean, I have an idea, but I can't tell if it's like they're switching their normal jerseys or if it's like an alternate jersey. Like, I feel yeah, like yeah. it's alternate, alternate, but I'm not sure. I think it's full time heritage. Ooh. I think it's going to happen. I hope it is. I hope. I mean, those jerseys are so, we've talked about it before. Those jerseys, jerseys are so nice. I think a top, that would be like a top five kit. Yeah, in the NHL, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. It might be a six-point boost in the standings. So you <laughs> might go, you might go from third Tyson in the Central to top two if you go with the Heritage all season long. Just saying. Uh, but yeah, first day of training camp in the books. We'll see how the rest of camp goes, leading up to the first preseason game for the Jets. Not On all Sunday. that far away. Yeah, exactly. We are pretty, pretty close. So. Pretty close to preseason action, and then after that, the regular season is right on the doorstep. So exciting times here in Winnipeg, no doubt. Uh, but that'll do it for the episode here today. Let's set you guys off into the weekend in style. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in once again to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll get back at it on Tuesday morning, breaking down all the latest from camp, preseason, any changes to the line combinations, hopefully nice, healthy talk, all that. We'll break it all down for you guys as we get ready for the start of the regular season in a couple of weeks' time. Until then, though, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Stay safe and have a good time, everybody. We'll talk to you Tuesday morning. Peace. <laughs>